am Chris, and this is my Writing Table podcast, where we talk to authors and other creatives about the writing world and what it takes to create the books that we love to read. Ready? Pull up a chair and let's begin. Christy Tixera is a mother and entrepreneur. Her award-winning interior design skills have been featured in Better Homes and Gardens and Colorado Homes and Lifestyles. Parenting for Christy draws on her talent for problem-solving in unique ways. Though there are no official awards for being a mom, being a parent is her greatest accomplishment. She's excelled in the extraordinary obstacles that come with having a child with a life-threatening illness. The Colorado native resides in Northern Colorado with her family and beloved dog. Taking advantage of the active lifestyle the scenic state has to offer, she is a lover of all things outdoors, including skiing, gardening, rock climbing, and hiking 14ers. Christy is the author of Pink Elephants. Welcome, Christy. Hi, Chris. Nice to meet you. You've written a book informed by some terrifying personal experiences. Can you tell us about Pink Elephants? So Pink Elephants is a true story based on my then five-year-old daughter's illness, which was a bone marrow failure disease called aplastic anemia. And it was a life-threatening illness, very rare, one in a million chance that a five-year-old Caucasian female would develop this illness. The book is about our time as a family and how we navigated through these very difficult medical situations and none of us had any medical background or knowledge, so it was all new to us. It was terrifying and yet there were so many blessings that came out of our journey that we otherwise wouldn't have had our eyes open to or been exposed to at all. So while the book is emotionally trying, it also brings a lot of light to the positive things that happen in life in very small ways, but on a day-to-day level. It just became a matter of training ourselves to it. And when you can't go out and do normal things like everyone else, your life gets pared down quite a bit and you find other ways to be thankful. Very generous of you to share the story. What did you draw from to share a story that's so personal? I think the seed was first planted when Haley was in the hospital and we knew this was going to be a long drawn out process. So I started journaling on Caring Bridge and some of the readers had mentioned, oh, you know, you're good at writing. You should really consider writing a book. And at the time I'm scratching my head thinking, well, you just read what I wrote about, like, where in my life do I have time to write a book about it? When Haley was finally considered cured, I was just ready to get back on with my life as a designer. But we kept coming back to the idea of writing a book and for several years took a few false starts at it. And then finally had life-changing events of my own. I had been playing with the idea of maybe stepping outside of design, but knew I needed to stay in a creative realm and didn't know how to part ways with design or if I wanted to entirely. And then I had a horrible car accident. I just had to look at it from the standpoint of this might be the brass ring coming around for me and I'm going to grab onto it and this is going to be my excuse for stepping away from design. I'm going to take this time to heal and write the book and I can go back to design, which I have done, but 
I found that I really loved writing and definitely want to keep out the craft. So yeah, I think we're switching gears as far as my profession goes now. In my belief, writers are not made, we're born. And that for many of us, it's like that pilot light that quietly sits underneath the stove that nobody notices there. Yeah. And it just takes whatever things have to line up to make that become a full flame. I admire you for recognizing that. It's hard to stop. Yeah. Writing is addictive. And I, I really had no inclination to become a writer. But then when people said, you know, you're really making us feel what you're going through at this time. Not only was the idea planted to write a book about it as a bucket list item, but also to share our journey with other families who were going through similar situations and that maybe we could share our story and shed some positive light on it for other people. I mean, there's no guarantees in life, especially when you're in a hospital setting with your child, but there are still good days to be had and there's still life to live. And that's what we really had to glom onto. And I think that's a lot of why I decided to share our story, even though it is really personal. It wasn't revealing skeletons in the closet. How old was Haley when this happened? She was five when she was diagnosed. And then how old is she now? She's 16. Wow. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So what does she think about this book? Is it kind of old news to her? A little yes and a little no. She remembers very little, but she knows all the stories we've told her. So she was excited for me about the book because she knew it was so important for me to share. We tried really hard while she was sick to not ever let it become an excuse for her or a reason to get her out of anything and never wanted it to be a crutch. It never has been. So to have this book about her, she's like, yeah, I know that happened to me, but that was then. And, you know, I have my own life now. She never toted the baggage around with her. so. With COVID having to go on lockdown, was she just kind of like rolling her eyes at that after what she'd been through? She wasn't, but I was. There was definite <laughs> you, PTSD. You'd so done this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden I was like, oh, homeschool oh. kids again. I couldn't do it the first time. I can't do it now. I don't even understand their subjects now. <laughs> I had to ratchet it down a notch though and remind myself that yes, We did do all of this before, which means we can do it again. So if I could share our experience and calm people's fears, yes, it's bad, but there will be an end. This can't go on indefinitely and reminding people that we're in this together, whereas when Haley was ill, we weren't in it together. It was our little family. She was the only one that had to wear a mask, wiping down groceries again and going to the grocery store so infrequently, things like that and cleaning, sanitizing the house constantly was more of a pain in the neck than than anything. And I was just had huge amounts of gratitude for the fact that we had already been through it and weren't experiencing it during the pandemic. And that definitely, my hearts go out to people who are in our situation during the pandemic. Have you heard from families that were in similar situations and has the book resonated with them? There have been a number of readers that have reached out through my website and said, thank you for sharing this story My story is a little bit different, but just knowing that there are people out there who can relate brings me great comfort. And some of the people 
they've been away from their situation for years and years, but it's something that just sits just a little below the surface and you don't have to wear your heart on, on your sleeve, but to feel as though you are tethered to somebody else who can relate to what you've gone through, I think brings a lot of comfort. Sure. No matter sure. what your child is diagnosed with, you're still dealing with similar feelings and fears and gathering information you never anticipated you would have to have. I think there's a lot of gratefulness for sharing it. Yeah. See that? You said before you didn't really have a goal. At some point, I'm going to write this memoir, but you did. What happened where you said, okay, I'm going to take this and put it in a book form? I think at some point, just that nagging little voice said, you need to complete this. You've started it. You need to finish it. And if it doesn't ever see the light of day, that's okay. But you need to honor your promise to yourself that you would do this. So I took out the Carrying Bridge journals and without them would not have been able to retell the story with such accuracy and just started chipping away at it. And the journal was really, really helpful because while I remembered a ton, there were things that I said, oh yeah, that that did happen or that happened that way. Just recapturing those moments with a little bit more clarity and being able to visualize the hospital room I was in when Haley was told she couldn't go to school anymore and going through photographs of when her little friends from school came to visit her outside or how the neighborhood decorated our house for our homecoming. So sort of once I started I just kept clicking down the track until it was done and decided it was good enough to share and put out there and see where it went from there. How long did it take you to convert it from that journal to the manuscript form? I'd say without the multiple false starts, it was probably a year. How did you approach it? Not knowing that I wanted to continue writing. I didn't really get into a good habit or process that I want to duplicate. (laughs) Severe learning curve on that. Honestly, I just try to write a little bit every day, whether it's for my blog or for another book idea or an essay that I'm entering. I just try to keep writing every day. And there's always inspiration. So there's no shortage of material for me. It's just a matter of what I do with that material. So hunkering down for a specific amount of time every day at the same time each day doesn't usually happen, but snippets of it here and there or listening to podcasts that are going to strengthen my craft that I consider part of writing. It's hard with children too. With kids under, I didn't finish a manuscript until my baby was finishing her last year of college. So there's just a lot going on. I don't know how these young moms do it or on their third or fourth book. More power to you. I have no idea. I mean, what about your guest that was on recently? Who's a dental student? Oh gosh. Yes. Maisie Eddings. I was like, Um, she's going, oh, I'm trying to do this. I said, but you're also in dental school. Like, how the (laughs) heck are you doing this? I don't know. I'm like, I can barely, I mean, I couldn't do design and write at the same time successfully. I don't switch hats or gears fast enough. And if I'm going to do something, I want to do it well. And Mm -hmm. I'm just, I noticed I was half donkey in it when I was trying to do both (laughs) things. So, (laughs) but you did it. And you did, did something it. that like 99% of the people that call themselves writers have not done, which is finish a manuscript. 
yeah. and then publish a manuscript. Yeah. As far as your publishing journey, did you publish it indie or did you use a small press or how did you go about that? I decided to do self-publishing. So indie mm-hmm. publishing, because the story was so personal and I was reluctant to submit it to an editor and have them want to change anything about it. In my mind, I had written from a very tight script and wasn't willing to negotiate on what got cut or what was left in or what should be included. I needed to know that it was completely my unaltered story. Moving forward, I would definitely be interested in going the more traditional route. The journey was very eye-opening to me and that the book didn't receive nearly as many edits as a traditionally published book would. And so it was disappointing when when typos have been pointed out. Oh, I hate that because you can look at it and it doesn't matter how many times you look at it. As soon as you hit send, I know and best I, guarantee. Yeah. So frustrating. And if you are looking at somebody else's, you'll catch theirs, but you won't catch the one that's been right in front of you. I think because you get tired of looking at your own work and you can predict what the next word is or the mm-hmm. next sentence. So you, you do, you skim your own book after a while, because unless you're looking for a specific detail to make sure you're not being too repetitive, it quickly goes by. I mean, or too, if our brains kind of compensate because we have the fully formed idea of mm-hmm. what that scene or what that memory is, mm-hmm. where the person reading it who has not lived it or created it is only going off those words. And so they only see those words. But yeah. for us, we have a lot more going on in that scene because our brain is already plugged into it. Writers talk to you all the time, say, yeah, how did I miss this? I think next time around, I will let the manuscript sit for like a month after I get it back from the editor so that I am not so bored with it. (laughs) I mean, it. thank God kids go through different ages and stages because there are times where you're like, can you please outgrow this? And that's how I felt about the manuscript at times. (laughs) I need a change. Something new has to happen. And I wasn't in a position to start a new book and focus on something else. So it was just that one baby for that one age and stage for a very long time. Right. I was ready to hit the send button. (laughs) It doesn't sound like those typos take away from your story or make it less compelling. What is next for you? Next, I would like to write about a car accident that I was in, the one that led me to finally take the break from design. It would be inspired by true events, but not completely based on true events because, again, I don't have a tight script to follow. There would be people involved that I don't know what ultimately happened to them after the accident. So looking forward to the challenge of getting to create characters this next time, not just rely on people who I already know. I want it to be an inspirational story the way Pink Elephants is in that you take a dark situation or a trying time in life and you find the joy and the beauty and the goodness of it. And I think you're given experiences in life for a reason. And if I can take some of those harder experiences and I'm willing to put words to them that might inspire other people or resonate with them and say, oh, I can relate to that. That's a new way of looking at it. That's what I want to do with my writing. What are you reading now? 
Right now I'm reading Anthony Doerr's About Grace. And he's the author of All the Light We Cannot Mm -hmm. See. So he has a really different writing style and Mm -hmm. gets you hooked enough to keep you going, but you really don't know what's going on for a while. So reading that, just finished American Dirt and The Silent Patient. Have you read Cloud Cuckoo? Is it Cloud? That's on my Oh my, my what you said about you don't ever know where he's going. That's how that book was. I don't know how that guy's brain works. But well, that's it what is. my mother said. She He's said it so was a talented. tough read because it was really hard to stick with. But then I'm so glad that I did. That's how about Grace is starting out right now. Oh, so. I'll have to add that to my TBR. Like pile just keeps on growing. Oh, there's, <laughs> there's never enough time. For as many people say that they're going to write a book and don't, it's amazing how many books are out there. <laughs> Like, so thank God, no more people don't finish their books. What was a piece of advice that you found most helpful in writing Pink Elephants? To just write, just write, just get it out of you. If something happens with it, great. And if it doesn't, great. I think it's very hard to set out to be a professional author and make a living on it. It's different than other artsy crafts where so many other people are involved in your process and are hired and have a right to give their critique of it and to suggest changes. Whereas a painter, there aren't nearly as many paint critics involved in your process as there are editors or agents or publishers or bookstores. And so I do think if you feel as though you have something valuable to share, to write it. Get it out there, get some feedback about it, and then you'll know if you're comfortable sending it into the world or not. But just write it. There's definitely a cathartic process that takes place in writing. And if you publish it or not, that process still unfolds for everyone. Okay, this last question. I ask all my guests this question. In your view, what is good writing? I came prepared, Chris. You did. (laughs) To me, good writing is highly emotive writing. If you can make your reader feel the emotions that you're trying to convey, that's good writing. If you get tears out of their eyes and laughter out of their mouth and shoulder shrugs because they're cringing, that's good writing. That means you have connected to them. They can relate to something you've just said. And that is what they remember from their reading journey. Motive writing, I think, is an important tool for writing. Maybe that's why the memoir was good for me to write, because it was highly emotional, but I think has a good balance of trauma and humor and tears and joy. And I liked that balance of it. I liked being able to share kind of my perspective on how I look at life or how I live life and you can be happy and sad in the same moment. You know, tears of sorrow easily turn to tears of joy. And if you can describe that and capture it in words in a book so your reader can experience that, then I think you've done a successful job writing. What a great point. Thank you, Christy. Thank you. To learn more, visit pinkelephantsbook.com. If you're enjoying The Writing Table, please consider leaving us a review. There are so many podcasts out there. Reviews help other listeners find us. Thanks so much for your support.